Hello, everybody. Uh, sorry to say that it seems like Zoom is down across the world. So we <laughs> we can't live stream this morning. Uh, it was just a little bit, you know, some problems on their end. So uh, we have a recorded video, and I think M Mary and Vinny are going to do a separate uh uh, worship video for you as well so that, that you can watch these anytime. Um, a couple other housekeeping, housekeeping things before we get started. Uh, if you remember, we're moving from using Simple Give on our giving page. If you want to give your tithe, you want to put money in the benevolence fund or the operating fund or whatever it is, uh, we have all those different categories, you know, for different things. Uh, we're moving from using Simple Give as our giving portal to using Breeze as our giving portal. Breeze is our new church management software, and we're just trying to get everything under that umbrella. And so if you've been using a recurring uh, option to give your tithe through Simple Give, we'd ask that you cancel that out and move it over to Breeze. It's all outlined there on the website uh, directions and everything, so you can get that done. You also have the option of giving uh, through Venmo at 68 little strip uh vineyard uh it's easy to find you can give through that or you can send a check uh, made out to 68 vineyard church to 1116 lancaster avenue in Bryn Mawr 19010 and uh we do pick those up and get those deposited as well uh parents remember that uh all the resources you have you you need are uh found by clicking that third banner at the top of our website uh, for your kids and you can download all that stuff. Kim also sends out updates, uh, every, every week about that stuff. I want to also announce that, uh, six eights, uh, VBC vacation Bible church or vacation Bible camp. Sorry. Uh, this year will be, um, virtual, um, details will be coming soon. Um, we're working with this organization to provide all the materials for that. Uh, 6-8 hoodies are still here at my house if you want some. Uh, a lot of you have picked them up, but we still have some left if you want to. We're asking for a donation of $25. We're still raising also money for the Middle East Kids Camp 2020. Uh, you can give through that category on the Breeze um, giving portal. $150 uh, supports one child in a war-torn Middle Eastern country to attend Christian camp and it's just a beautiful gift to them and uh, will really develop their lives. And also during this time, I want to say that uh, you might find yourself in need of a spiritual mentor. And we have trained people at 6-8 for that very purpose. They can do this telephonically or by FaceTime or Zoom or, or whatever. But just email spiritualmentors at 68.org. You know, ask who, you know, who would be good for you to meet with and they will get you set up. Um, that email goes to Rob Schaefer. Rob is uh, kind of managing, getting people connected to the right people. So, you know, if you need a woman, you know, if you're a woman, you need to meet with a woman. He'll, he will get you connected. Uh, those people are also listed on the website and you can just email them as well if you know them. So, uh, but that's a spiritual mentor is a good way to just help you hear what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying in your life. It's a, it's a sounding board, a person to sort of help you hear the Spirit's voice in your life and give you good practical tools to 
uh, go further in your spiritual formation. Anyway, uh, all that said, let's get into the sermon. I want to pray before we do that. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Uh, despite the problems of technology, we praise you that you are here and you are alive. You're you're leading us, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning in a, in a unique and powerful way, as you always do. And uh, we pray, though, that we, although we know you speak, we know sometimes we don't listen. And so we pray that we would hear you, we would listen to you, we would take your words and have them assimilate into our lives in, a, in an obedient way. And we thank you for that. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you haven't been with us, we've been in the book of John for a number of weeks. This is our 15th week in the book of John. I've really enjoyed it. It's called Portraits of Jesus, just these different little vignettes of of what Jesus is to us. And, uh, you know, so I want to start out with a story today, though. There was once a man who was given opportunity to live in a villa in an Italian vineyard. Wouldn't that be nice, right? And he didn't know anything about vineyards, but he really enjoyed walking through the the you know the vines and you know they were all over the place spread out all over the land and one day as he was walking he saw some tools and a jacket hanging on a post and he realized he wasn't alone so he walked quietly to find out who he, who had invaded his peaceful moment right and turning the corner he saw saw an old Italian man with pruners and ties in the distance and he figured that was the vine dresser. And he stopped and he watched this guy from a distance as he worked and sang and talked to the vines as he dressed them, right? Sometimes snipping off a branch and throwing it into this little fire at the end of the row or, or lifting up a branch and, and that was growing downward, like and tucking it back up into the vine. And there seemed to be no rhyme or reason to his work. Why did he cut one off? Why did he tuck another back in, you know, and all that kind of stuff? And he worked effortlessly with years of experience to dress these vines, knowing intuitively which needed to be discarded and and which needed to be reintroduced up into the plant. And he'd run his his hands along the, the vines, counting the new buds with his fingers, and then he would cut the at the exact spot which which would leave the plant the best chance for growth growth and fruit bearing in the future. And the man watching looked out over the vineyard at a sea of plants that had been growing for years and years and years. They were just very old plants. And each season, this vine dresser would come out there and he would sing and he would talk to each plant and he'd dress them for the fruit-bearing season to come. And it must have taken so long, but it really didn't seem to matter to the vine dresser, right? Because it was a labor of love for him. And I would I would say that that is a really good picture of God for us, isn't it? taking the time, lovingly pruning and shaping to produce a greater amount of his character in us each year, right? And, you know, sort of pruning and tucking and tying and talking and singing and patient and joyful, a picture of God attentive and loving and peaceful and tending to our growth, God at work in us all the time, right? And, you know, vine dressing is an image with which the disciples would have been very familiar. You know, so turn with me to John chapter 15 to a very uh, familiar passage where Jesus speaks of the vine and the dressing. If you have a Bible, turn there because it's really nice for you to read it as well as I as I read through these things. But uh, as you do that, I'm just going to say a few things. You know, perhaps Jesus was walking along the road on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane when he, you know, passing by a vineyard 
and you know, and and saying these words to the disciples as as a as a as a model to them, or perhaps he was passing by the temple, pointing to the golden vine on the front of the temple, symbolizing Israel as he said it. I don't I don't know, you know, but the fruit vine had always been a symbol of Israel, and growing up in that region, these guys would have had a working knowledge, a working understanding of vine dressing, and that's the picture that John paints for us in John chapter 15 of his gospel, right? Uh, Jesus is vine, Father is vine dresser, a picture which some of us may have read in the past and been filled with a little fear, right? Uh, The question we come up with automatically is, am I the one that is cut away, right? However, I think that this is much more of a picture of a loving father pruning his people to future growth, a positive image of a loving God loving his people. So John 15, starting in verse 1, says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, takes he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be more fruitful, uh, that it may have more fruit. Uh, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken. You remember he said that to Peter in the last chapter, I think. Um, verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Verse 8, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Now listen to that. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And we end with verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So after setting all, saying all that, what is the fruit that God desires, right? That's a good question. Is it merely that me as a Christian that I avoid sin, right? Or Is spiritual maturity and uh, purity more than just the avoidance of sin? Is it the list of fruits, that the uh, fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5? You remember that list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You remember that list in Galatians 5. Well, I think it is. Those are fruits of the Spirit, definitely, right? Uh, Isaiah 5 uh, verse 7 gives us an even greater glimpse of what it means. The vineyard, it says, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed, right? For righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. So part of this is that the fruit God desires is an obedient heart and its righteousness and it's just justice. 
In short, it's the reflection of his character in individuals and the church body naturally producing the fruit we see in Galatians 5. It's not merely that the individual's avoidance of carnal sin, but the heart of righteousness, the heart of love, the heart of justice displayed in our community, the heart of obedience in following the voice of God, really. Now, Israel apparently didn't produce that fruit, maybe somewhat at times, but never fully. And these issues of justice, righteousness, and obedience were never fully realized in the nation of Israel. And as a result, Israel was often overrun by her enemies, suffering the consequences of her disobedience. Get a little drink of coffee here. Mm-mm. Oh, thank God for coffee. But... Fruit is mentioned eight times in this chapter with a clear progression each time. It says fruit in verse 2, more fruit in verse 2, and then much fruit in verses 5 and 8, right? And we're not really familiar with this vine dressing thing. We live in a world where we buy everything from a grocery store, which leaves us really no appreciation for all the time and the hard work and the effort and the love that it takes to nurture a vine to fruit bearing, developing it into uh, to to increase over years. You know, we go to the store and we chow down on grapes or we gulp down wine like there's no limit to it. So to understand that process, I have found some steps which take it takes to grow a grapevine. Uh, I, I downloaded them from a you know just this website about growing grapevines. Listen to these steps. There's eight of them. Step one, allow the grapevine to grow wild the first year. Having abundant stems and leaves develops a strong root system for an immature grapevine. So no pruning the first year at all. Step two, Select the strongest, most vigorous stem during the winter of the first year. Using bypass pruners, remove all the stems at the base of the plant as close to the trunk of the, of the main stem as possible and t- stake the remaining stem, which will become the trunk of the plant, using a grape stake or secure the vine along a fence with a wire. Step three. Allow stems to grow from the main trunk, and in the in the spring of the second year, begin removing all but two of the very best shoots which grow from the trunk. If the vine isn't producing where you want it to, pinch the top of the main trunk and encourage side branching. Step four, cut back the top of the trunk during midsummer of the second year, and when the vine reaches the desired height, the process of tip pruning will perforce new growth along the main trunk, remove any new branches which don't fit your plan. Step five, cut back all the desired side branches and the main trunk during the second winter, and what you have now is the basic frame for the plant, an upright stem with two sets of side branches. Step six, allow the vine to grow during the third spring and summer, uh, removing anything that grows from the trunk. You want to retain the basic framework of the vine. And step seven, leave 12 buds along the arms of the, uh, the arms during the third winter and pruning during the third winter is crucial to future uh, fruit production. And these 12 buds, which will will uh, will produce fruit during the fourth summer. And each of those 12 should have one to two leaf joints so that the vine looks like a stubby hat rack when you're finished pruning. And these are all the renewal buds, which will remain on the plant forever. And then finally, step eight, 
Prune the 12 renewal buds so that there's always more one more bud growing from the tip. And this practice will continue in the fourth from the fourth winter onward. And what you're doing is you're allowing the renewal buds to extend and grow one bud length every season. And during the summer, the fruit develops on the new growth, which springs from the renewal bud. And keep keeping them short during the dormant season keeps the plants under control. Well, that's a lot of work, right? So you can see that the vine, that vine dressing is a long, drawn out process of growth and development, which, which continues on yearly throughout the life of the plant, right? Jesus uses this metaphor with the disciples to emphasize the growth process happens over many years. The vine dresser is methodical. He's well thought out. He's practiced. And as he makes cuts and tucks, you know, this, this all happens. There's a lot of growth in the first year, but it's, it's almost wild and uncontrollable. Now, doesn't that feel like your experience? It, it does mine. I remember my first year of faith in Jesus. I came to faith when I was 21. I grew like crazy. There was nothing stopping me that first year. It was really wild. It was so, you know, liberating and fun. And then comes this drastic cutting back. It's a painful process to say the leaf, but least, but it's a, it's all for the goal of making the plant as fruitful as it can be in the future. And I've had that cutting back in my life, times where my pride or my arrogance or some, something else in my, my life had to be addressed, right? And God has had to cut that back in me. Notice it's not until the fourth year until a plant begins to produce fruit. And it wasn't until years into my walk with Christ that God started to use me in ministry with others in, in, in greater ways. I had to grow into it, right? And even after this, oops, excuse me. Uh, even after this, only one additional bud is allowed to grow every year afterwards. The growth may be sort of painstakingly slow, but when controlled by the vine dresser, it produces the most abundant and the sweetest of fruit, right? Likewise, we also, we always have sort of these delusions of grandeur. We want to be seen for great things right away in Jesus, right? But growth really happens over time. We methodically grow to bear fruit for the vine dresser throughout life. Ministry is seen in these small progressive steps of love and justice and righteousness and obedience over a long time, over years of our, of our journey of faith, right? You know, Janet O'Hagberg, in her book called The Critical Journey, great book. Everybody should read it. I really think it's a great book. But it outlines six stages of faith that we go through as we continue to abide in Jesus. And uh, yet she points out that after stage four, we usually hit this necessary wall in our lives, in our spiritual lives, that we have to get through to further development. Uh, and these are all stages which re reflect this, this process of vine dressing. And it's my opinion that many people don't get past the wall because getting past the wall means you really are becoming deeply, more deeply committed. Like this Jesus thing isn't just surfacy, it's real. And you have to get through it to further develop.
Now, the six stages of faith and the wall are all important in our spiritual journey, and each one is a profound profound effect or impact and role in our lives. For instance, this is how they sort of work out very briefly. Stage one is the recognition of God in Jesus which humbles us. It's coming to faith in Christ. It's it's discovering God for the first time. That happened to me when I was 21 years old. Stage two is the life of discipleship. It grounds us. Faith is learning about God. I remember my first early years in Christ, just learning a lot and and following along and and getting involved in church life and things like that and learning how to how to develop myself. Stage three is the productive life. It rewards us, and faith is working for God. It's 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 the time when many people get involved in leadership and they start really you know trying to do something for the Lord. You know that stuff. And then stage four is the journey inward. It unsettles us. It faith is then rediscovering God. We start to see you know this you know again the dark underbelly of humanity and and we start to really wonder what this is really all about and and it's a very important stage there's nothing wrong with that feeling those things but there's something deeply profound about it and that brings us to the wall which unmasks us all again and our will faces God's will again and there's no way to go around or over the wall you have to go right through it with the power of the spirit in your life and the word of God in your hands stage 5 is the journey outward it transforms us faith is surrendering more deeply to God stage 6 is the life of love it transcends us and faith is where we really begin to reflect God to the world around us now, time doesn't allow us here to outline each of these stages in, in absolute detail and what happens in the life of the believer as a result of them. But you, if you want, you can download the sermon text from our website, 68.org, and those six stages of faith, faith, uh, faith will be at the end of that, that sermon as an appendix, uh, along with our church values and a description of what a mature believer looks like relevant to these stages and relevant to our church values. Uh, it's a good read. It's a little lengthy, but it's a good study. You know, you could study it day by day for a few days. But anyway, but we must admit that if left alone, that plant, that vine would either die or just flounder along. It wouldn't produce much fruit. It would be choked out by weeds and overgrowth, right? It needs outside care. So the spiritual formation process is necessary, although sometimes painful for us. Jesus says, abide in him as the vine, allowing the vine dresser to prune and to shape us. Yet, uh, you know, we have to go back and we have to address our question of fear. Um, What does it mean by the cutting off? Right? Who's cut off? (laughs) Can I lose my salvation? Those are the questions we ask. If I don't measure up and live rightly, am I going to be cut off? Isn't this a works-based relationship then, right? What happened to grace? Well, let's explore those questions a little bit. You know, every year in Palestine, gardeners prune their vines and they cut off the dead wood, which has no life in it, and they trim the living branches so that their yield will be greater in the future. And Jesus says right here, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts off. Well, the phrase in me right there doesn't mean the same thing as Paul's words in Christ, right? 
It, you know, here it's a part of a metaphor of the vine, and it seems to mean that every person who professes to be a disciple or, or professes to be a branch of the vine isn't necessarily a true branch, isn't necessarily a true follower of Jesus. You know, a branch which bears no fruit is obviously already dead. Therefore, like, like Judas wasn't a true believer, it's just cut off and thrown out. The disciples had been cleansed by Jesus and his message. But if you remember, Judas really wasn't. And you'll remember, they just came out of the upper room where it seems like that Judas, had, although spending all this time with Jesus, had still not exhibited true faith in, in Christ. <clears throat> a working knowledge of Jesus doesn't necessarily translate into a relationship with Jesus, right? So fruitfulness is, is the result of the son's life being reproduced in a disciple. The disciple's part is to abide or remain in him, right? The word remain or abide is a key word in John's theology. It occurs 11 times in this chapter, 40 times in the entire gospel, and then 27 times in John's epistles. So what does it mean to remain or abide? Well, firstly, it, it can mean just to believe in Jesus as Savior, right? When you first come to know him, right? Secondly, it can mean to continue or to persevere in believing, hence is these stages of faith. And thirdly, it can also mean believing in the sense of loving obedience, right? Also seen in the stages of faith. So without faith, no life of God will, will come to anyone, Right? Without the life of God, no real fruit can be produced in us. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, he said, right? And this isn't a threat of, so, you know, as we read this passage, it's not a threat of judgment. Rather, it's a telling of a simple reality. Let me say that twice. It's not a threat of judgment, but it's a telling of a simple reality. We can't partake of the benefits of Christ unless we are truly a part of him. The branch can't bear fruit if it cuts itself off from the vine, which is what Judas did from the very beginning. He never really was a part of it. You know, in chapter 14, we had the presentation of God's grace. In chapter 15, we see what our responsibility is to that grace, right? The vine had been an image of Israel, and in contrast here, Jesus says that he is the true vine and one must be rooted in him, not necessarily just in Israel, if one is to bear fruit for the Father, right? So the branches taken away um, were never properly abiding in the vine in the first place. The ones which bear fruit are pruned through the word and not removed. The word is a cleansing force, right? Remember, Jesus said that in the past chapter. It, it condemns sin. It inspires holiness. It promotes growth. It reveals uh, power for victory in our lives. You know, some people believe the, the Greek verb commonly translated takes away actually is more, ac is more accurately translated lifts up. In other words, like our vine dresser was doing right out in that field, sometimes he would lift up a branch. So the father lifts up unproductive vines, you know, branches off the ground as is common in vine dresses and tucks them back up and ties them back into the larger plant that they may, might get more sun and bear fruit.
That's also true. So dead branches are the one that's the ones that never fully abided in the vine in the first place, and they're taken away. Yet unproductive vines are tended to and lifted up to start to bear fruit. And fruit bearing is impossible without abiding, but it is inevitable with abiding, right? Which implies inherent reproduction in us. In other words, reproduction being the fruit falling to the ground, dying to self, and seeding a new plant. Fruit bearing, in reference to spreading the gospel to all people groups of the world, is our greatest and most central calling as Christians. It's his last command. It's our first concern. We see that the great that in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, so fruit bearing is not just some self-centered endeavor to make me better. It has purpose for us to be used to bring the gospel to all the people groups to the world, to bring all those people groups of the world into the knowledge of Jesus and faith in Christ, right? Therefore, in looking at this picture, we can say that, yes, Paul was right when he said in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It means be serious about your faith. Work at, work it out. Don't be friends of the world. Follow Jesus. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Be obedient to the scriptures, right? Because as we abide, true fruit bearing is determined over an extended period of time in our lives. Genuine conversion isn't measured by a hasty decision. Sure, I'll follow Jesus, right? And we don't really mean it. But it's by long-range growth and fruitfulness, which we also see conveyed in the parable of the soils in Matthew 13, if you remember that passage. So we don't struggle or strive to bear fruit. We just abide in Christ. My parents, you know, used to have an apple orchard in their old house, and I'd never once, never once did I ever hear those trees struggle or complain or groan to bear apples. Branches don't struggle to bear fruit, but I have seen them be unproductive when they're unattended, right? You know, I have seen Christians struggling and straining to change their character and their own human strength, and we call that legalism, right? It never works. The old, the old character will always emerge and dominate, right? The only way that we can bear fruit in Christ, uh, which is, you know, love defined by, defined by all that in Galatians 5, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, self-control, righteousness, justice, and faith, and, and the reproduction of Jesus and others, or the, the sincere expressions of praise and generous giving. The only way all that happens is to abide in Christ. You know, the apple branch just hangs there off the tree year after year. And in due season, the blossoms come and apples then appear. There's fruit because it abides in the tree. That's it. Abiding, abide in Jesus and the days will turn into weeks and turn into months and turn into years. And then you, and you will see fruit and then you will see more fruit and then you will see much fruit in your life. And you'll be surprised. The fruit will naturally happen from your abiding in Christ from just enjoying Jesus. It's, it's actually very profoundly simple, right? But it's not always easy. 
You know, no one is more miserable than the Christian who, for a time, hedges in their obedience. Obedience is a very powerful uh, concept and word in our Christian life. So, so no one is more miserable than the Christian who, for a time, hedges in obedience, where they don't love sin enough to say to to enjoy its pleasures. Right? It's kind of lost its taste, but they don't love Christ enough to really relish uh, holiness and purity. They perceive their rebellion, you know, to Jesus iniquitous, but obedience seems distasteful at the same time. And that kind of a person is to be pitied, right? He can't remain ambivalent for long. Jesus wants all of us. We can't live with one foot in two worlds, right? You know, we can't be harboring secret sin and think that we're going to walk strongly with Jesus. It doesn't work that way. The result of abiding, though, is joy. Christ's joy isn't the pleasure of a life of ease, though. It's, it's the exhilaration of being right with God, that's righteousness, and consciously walking in his love and care. Jesus is the vine, and life flows through him as we are planted in the word, drawing living water and nutrients up from the soil for the sole purpose of producing fruit. And all that nutrient, nutrient builds up in the fruit. And what's brought into our lives is purified through the process of soaking up through the vine. Jesus purifies his people as we abide in him. Now, I used to have a dog. <laughs> his name was Raja because he thought he was king of the house. And I wasn't very fond of Raja, I got to admit. But I love my wife, right? And my wife would grow the, the, the most beautiful garden right outside of our back door and all kinds of flowers and vegetables, which we could enjoy and look to look at and eat. And, but that's also the place where my dog went to the bathroom. And here's how my brain works. And I don't mean to sound juvenile, but Raja peed in the yard and my vegetables grew in the yard and I couldn't get that out of my brain. And, I, and you know, and all I can think about was I was eating Raja's pee. Right. That's that's all I can think about. But I wasn't. I wasn't. Because the process of filtration through the soil and up through that vine takes out any and all impurities, doesn't it? You know, we are rooted in Christ. He is the vine and planted in the soil of his word. We are purified, abide and live in him. And over time, he produces fruit in us with no effort on our own other than enjoying him. The vine dresser prunes and shapes, and it's not my business which one is cut off, which is pruned, or, or which is lovingly tucked back into the fold. It's his job, right? My job's to abide under his loving care, no matter how painful pruning may be, uh, to eventually bear fruit for the vine dresser. I want you to listen to this, the, the, the truth of this quote from a book called Lessons from a Venetian Vine Dresser. It's by a guy named Robert Scott Steiner. I don't know who he is, but apparently knew something about vine dressing. He says this, to care for the branches in such a way, individual trimming, is to know exactly what each one needs, and the, and this vine dresser loves the process as much as the product. Each season, the branches become stronger and more stable and produce better fruit as the relationship between the vine dresser and the vine and the branches grows. Isn't that a great quote? 
Many of us strive just to avoid sin. We live in the negative, so, so to speak, right? We fight to live the Christian life on our own. We spin our wheels in legalism. And we look at the spiritual formation process in the negative. If I don't do A, then I'll be okay, right? But Jesus says, look at this in the positive. Abide in me, soak me up, live in me, and that's what brings life to you. Which is why Paul wisely says in Galatians 5.16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's a matter of my perspective. Am I looking at my temptations or at Jesus? My circumstances or at Jesus? And it's why Jesus said, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So just to reiterate, remember, the cutting away are those who never really were truly a part of Jesus in the first place. Hasty decisions, uh, yeah, surfacy decisions, not really a change of heart, you know, anything like that. Like Judas, right? Or, or, or some, uh, you know, or some are... Uh, as depicted in the parable of the soils. You remember that passage, Matthew 13. And the obedience of walking with Jesus closely, drawing nutrients and living water up through him throughout our lives does a few things in us. It produces the fruit as we see of the Spirit as we see in Galatians 5. It produces a people that are filled with righteousness, justice, and obedience, and uh, people that are committed to reproducing this life of, of Christ and others, extending to all people groups of the world. Amen to that. I, I would urge you to abide in Jesus strongly. Take the time to be prayerful. Listen to the Holy Spirit and His guidance. If you want to use a spiritual mentor to help you do this process, spiritual mentors at 68.org. Just email Rob and he'll get you connected with somebody uh, suitable for you. It is a you know, it's a great gift to be walking with Jesus. And we want to be useful in the Father's hands. Uh, we want to produce his character because his character brings life to everybody. And uh, we want to see his name glorified across the world in all nations of the earth. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word to us. And we pray that you would just uh, let this soak up through our roots, up through our lives, and produce fruit in us. We want to walk with you well, and we want to see other people know you as well. We want freedom, freedom for us and freedom for others. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Wish I could have been with you live this morning, but it was an impossibility. So uh, we'll try to see if that'll work next weekend. So tune in next week. And uh, by, by all means, come and visit us or give, give me a call. I would love to come visit you. I miss seeing everybody a lot. So uh, love you guys, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.